Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora. Welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast and thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host Jordan, I'm a mum of one, soon to be two boys and a lover of all things birth and a very passionate storyteller. The goal of Kiwi Birth Tales is to empower, inform, educate and connect families from New Zealand and all over the world, talking about the things that are so often kept to ourselves or shared with only our nearest and dearest because of this taboo that seems to surround sharing stories about birth. All stories deserve to be heard, no story more important than the other, And with this podcast, you'll get a variety without bias. The podcast is not intended for medical advice. I'm not an advocate for any particular mode of birth or birth care. And this platform is simply here to share these beautiful, empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. So I hope you enjoy. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Maxine about the birth of her son, Arthur, only nine weeks ago. Maxine talks us through her pregnancy journey and having PCOS, how that impacted her cycles and ended up taking metformin the month before she fell pregnant. So she talks us through that. And then we discuss later on in her pregnancy gender disappointment at finding out that she was having a son as her and her husband had both really hoped for a daughter. So we talk through what that gender disappointment was like and that it is um, quite normal for a lot of people to experience that in their pregnancies. We then discuss a gestational diabetes diagnosis at around 30 weeks and how that impacted her diet and sort of how she managed that and then into a preeclampsia diagnosis right at the end of her pregnancy. So that ended up meaning that she was induced in hospital and they did that orally. Uh, She talks us through what the induction experience was like and then a really, really quick labor in the end. So from her waters breaking where she didn't sort of think that she was in too much um, pain or really progressing through her labor that much from then um, two hours later having her baby out um, and on her chest. So she talks us through that really fast labor and also having some meconium in the waters uh, when her waters broke and then her son needing some help uh, with breathing afterwards when he was born. So we talk through all of that and then we discuss her postpartum journey so far. So she's nine weeks in and we talk about a prolapse and what that experience has been like as well as processing her really fast birth. So this is a pretty action-packed episode. Um, I know that there will be something that you get out of it and I just think that Maxine does a really good job of talking us through what her experiences have been like. So yeah, really grateful that she was willing to talk with me on the podcast and I hope you love the episode. If you're listening, I would love you to take a screenshot and pop it on your Instagram story and tag me at Kiwi Birth Tales. I love to see where and when you're listening and what you're doing when you're listening to the podcast. It's always really nice. If you can leave me a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on, I'm always super grateful for those too. And otherwise, I will stop talking now and let you jump into the episode. Enjoy. 
Hi, Maxine. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, so I'm um, Maxine, obviously, and um, I've got my husband, Cameron, and my nine-week-old son, Arthur. Beautiful. And what part of New Zealand do you live in? Uh, We're in Auckland. Yeah, cool. Very cool. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys? Yeah, so for me, it was actually kind of interesting. Um, So we had always planned, because my husband um, had this work opportunity to go overseas. Um, So we were going to go to London and work for three months and then travel for a month um, and then come home and try to make a baby. Um, But we got to London and then obviously COVID happens. So we came home (laughs) after only three weeks of being there and we just figured... Yeah, I know. So we just figured let's just um, let's just get into it. Let's just start trying now. Um, and I've got PCOS, so I thought it was going to take um, quite a while. Like I had in my mind, it was going to take at least a year to get pregnant. Um, but we were really lucky. We actually fell pregnant in just four months. Um, so yeah, we didn't really have any complications which was really we're really grateful for really lucky I did um start metformin for the PCOS but I was only on it for less than a month before I fell pregnant which was really amazing yeah yeah and were you doing anything else for the PCOS sort of in terms of how you manage that with your lifestyle or anything like that before trying to conceive not really to be honest um I, um, like I, I exercise regularly and have a healthy diet, which are the main things with PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, and my period had been pretty regular-ish for about a year before we started trying. So I was feeling okay. pretty under control with it um, at that stage. But then actually a month, the month before I got pregnant, um, I didn't get my period for like, two and a half months if that makes sense um oh, so wow. like yeah yeah so like my last cycle was like over 200 days oh no it wasn't that's way too many it was like yeah it was like two and a half months <laughs> anyway um yeah and so I was like oh dang it it's gonna be a lot harder to get pregnant than we thought like right when we want to start trying my um cycle is messing itself up so that's when I started on the metformin and then I got pregnant straight away after that yeah Awesome. Cool. And how did you find out that you were pregnant? Did you have any like early symptoms that might've given it away or did you take a pregnancy test? What was that experience like? So in, um, in hindsight, I actually got started getting symptoms the day after we conceived, which is (laughs) super early. Um, I just remember we went out for lunch with some friends and then, um, we went to pack and save and you know how at pack and save, they just have the fish like out. Mm -hmm. Like I never liked that, that section anyway. Like it's pretty stinky, but I was like literally gagging and I was like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, what if I'm pregnant? (laughs) Um, so I like, I did some, I did a pregnancy test and it was negative um, because I thought that my ovulation was um, a week prior to that. Um, but it actually turns out that my ovulation was 
like that week. So I, I was, that was only one day after we conceived. So it was way too early to get a positive pregnancy test, <laughs> but I'd done like, um, four and got four negative tests, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant. Like I'm having all these <laughs> symptoms. Um, so I just kept trying and then I got a positive test. And cause of, because my last cycle was such a long cycle, I didn't know when my mm. period was actually meant to be due. Yeah. So I was like, I yeah. don't know if I'm late or, not so I'm just gonna keep doing pregnancy tests and see and then yeah I was pregnant (laughs) yeah awesome cool and did you have many symptoms in that first trimester sort of after you got the positive test what was your yeah first 12 weeks like yeah so my um main symptoms well the the real early ones were like a real heightened sense of smell um and um food aversions particularly to mushrooms, which I used to love. (laughs) Um, And then I just found revolting. Um, But then from about six weeks on to about 12 or 13 weeks, I was just nauseous 24-7. I just could not focus on anything either. Um, I didn't actually physically vomit, thankfully, but I just felt like crap the entire time. Yeah, yeah, I can... um... Definitely relate to that. And what was the rest of your pregnancy experience like? So did you choose to do the standard testing that's offered in New Zealand and did you end up finding out the sex of your baby? Yep. So we did the standard testing. Um, We didn't pay for any additional um, testing. So um, at the 20-week scan, we found out the gender, that we were having a boy, um, (laughs) which, to be honest, we were a little bit disappointed about at first. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd love to unpack that because I remember reading in your um, story submission that you talked about, that, you know, finding out his um, the sex of your baby and sort of what that experience was like for you and your partner. And I get so many messages on the podcast about gender disappointment and working through that and hearing people talk about that. So do you want to take us through what your experience was like there? Yeah, so um, we were really hoping for a girl. Um, I think mainly because in my husband's family, there's all boys. And so I was just like, mm-hmm. I just want to get a girl at some point. So if we get a girl first, then, you know, that's ideal. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we were, we, we were disappointed. Like, obviously, I was stoked to have a, have a happy, healthy baby. Yeah, um, yeah. But... Yeah, it did take a couple of days to adjust to the fact that we were having a boy um, and, like, going shopping for clothes. I was like, oh, there's so many cute girl clothes, but, like, hardly any cute boy clothes, <laughs> and they're all, like, blue and have dinosaurs on them, which are cute, but, like, that's it kind of feels like that's all there is. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, and then um, it didn't really help because all of our friends and family knew that we were hoping for a girl as well. And so they kept asking like how we were feeling and we were like, Oh yeah, we're a little bit disappointed, but like at the end of the day, we're happy. We've got a healthy baby. Um, And then some people would make comments like, Oh, I honestly don't get why people care what gender it is. Like, I just want a healthy, happy mm. baby. I'm like, yeah, obviously I do too. Like, obviously we just want a happy, healthy baby at the end. That's the goal. But like, yeah. it's okay to be a little bit disappointed mm. because it's not what you were expecting or hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to normalize that, right? Because um, a lot of people have a, a hope for a boy or a girl. And if it doesn't go 
either way, then that can be really hard to work through. So, yeah, I think it's really important to talk about. Yeah, 100%. And I know someone else um, who's had a baby recently who was absolutely gutted pretty much the entire pregnancy that mm. um, it wasn't the gender that they were hoping for. And, um, yeah, like it's 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 okay and it's normal to be disappointed. Like at the end of the day, you're going to be stoked with your baby, I would hope. <laughs> and <Yeah>. so, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, um yeah, it's totally normal to be disappointed. And as long as your baby is, like, happy and healthy, then, you know, that's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And did you do um, the other testing that's offered, like the gestational diabetes screenings and um, anything else in your pregnancy? Yep. Yeah. So um, I got tested for diabetes at it was I. It was actually a bit late. I didn't find out that because I, I had gestational diabetes, but I didn't find out until about thirty or thirty-two weeks or something like that. So okay. it was quite late in the game compared to others. I think because um, that was like around Christmas and stuff. So my midwife was on leave and I was away, and you know everything got in the way. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I did find out that I had gestational diabetes, um, which I got to manage just through um, diet, thankfully. I didn't need any drugs for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I also, uh, two days before I ended up giving birth, I found out that I had preeclampsia as well. I'd had a couple of tests for it throughout my pregnancy, but, um, yeah, that was when I found out that I had it. Yeah, and had you had the tests that you were doing previously they were obviously normal yeah yeah so they were they were all pretty normal and then I I think when I did find out like two days before my pregnancy that I had it that it was pretty mild yeah 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 okay cool and before we jump into that do you want to take us through if you did any like birth education did you go to any antenatal classes or anything else that you were sort of using to help you prepare for labor and birth yep so um I found listening to this podcast really helpful, actually, um, especially once I found out that I had GD. Um, yeah, I found listening to other people's stories was really helpful. Yeah. But we also did do a um, a um, antenatal class with the West Auckland Parents Centre, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, which it was beneficial. We joined it mainly, to be honest, to make connections with other parents. Um mm. But the education was beneficial as well. I thought that it was going to be more um, to do with, like, what you do when you've got a baby and you take your baby home. <laughs> um, but it was mostly focused on labour and birth, which obviously was, like, really helpful and you do need to learn that because there's so many different scenarios that can happen. Um, but, yeah, I was kind of – because I've never – my baby's the first in both mine and my husband's family and in our friend group. So I was kind of like, I don't know what to do with a baby. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And did you have many thoughts on like a birth plan or how you wanted your birth to go? Um, anything that you didn't want to have happen or were you just sort of going with the flow? I'm a very go with the flow kind of person. So um, like I had, I had written out with my midwife, like an ideal situation, um, but at the end of the day, I was like, what needs to happen needs to happen. Um, 
yeah, so I was pretty loose on on my birth plan. Yeah, yeah, cool. And were you doing anything in preparation for birth? Like I know there's hundred different things that you can be trying to go into labour, but were you doing like any antenatal expressing or perineal massage or anything like that? Yeah, so I was doing antenatal expressing for my um, gestational diabetes anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we stored up quite a bit of colostrum. Um, which ended up being very helpful for the baby after birth with his sugar levels. Um, but in terms of like trying to induce labor naturally, um, I went on like quite a few walks and I tried like curb walking, which I felt like mm-hmm. such a dork doing. Um, and yeah, I was like trying to have like quite a bit of sex as well. Oh, I did yeah. get a stretch yeah. and sweep as well, actually. Um, okay. Yeah, and how did you find the stretch and sweep um, experience? What was that like? Well, I mean, it wasn't, like, pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was definitely a bit uncomfortable, but, um, like, yeah, it wasn't wasn't too bad. I, yeah, I didn't mind it. Um, So I had that, um, I gave birth on a Wednesday, like, just after midnight, and I had the stretch and sweep on... um, um, on the Monday, so like two okay. days before I gave birth, or like a day and a half, um, and she found that I was already one centimetre dilated, that she could stretch to four centimetres, um, and that my cervix was fully effaced as well, which she okay. said she's never seen in a first-time mum before, um, yeah. and was like really shocked <laughs> about that. Um, yeah. So obviously my body was already getting ready, and I was probably yeah. already in early labour. Yeah. Yeah, awesome, cool. And just before we jump into your birth story, were you having extra like growth scans or anything like that because of the gestational diabetes? Like, were they concerned about his size or anything like that? Yep. So I did have um, two growth scans, and he was um, looking fiftieth percentile in okay. both of them for everything, yeah. which was really good. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So nice. they weren't planning to induce me for for that thankfully yeah cool awesome and I know that you mentioned um you ended up getting a positive preeclampsia test so do you want to take us through um the start of your labor how did it start um was it spontaneous and how far along were you yep so um yeah so on that Monday that I had the stretch and sweep that's when um, my midwife also found out that my blood pressure was like a little bit high um, and my urine test that um, that day as well was just faintly um, in the green for um, preeclampsia or for protein in the urine. So mm-hmm. I went and did a blood test for that and she, my midwife called me at about seven o'clock that night um, saying that, yes, you have preeclampsia and to go to the hospital. Um, but after the stretch and sweep, because I was already like um, dilated and like fully effaced, she did say like, I reckon you're probably going to have the baby tonight. So I went into the hospital thinking, oh, I'm going to have a baby tonight Mm -hmm. um, at like 8 p.m. And um, yeah, they were like, they said that they would start inducing me in the morning if I didn't um, go into spontaneous labor because of the preeclampsia, which I didn't I had like a few contractions on that Monday night, but um, it kind of stopped, and then we went to sleep. And then um, in the morning, they started to induce me. Um, and it was at Waitakere Hospital, so they've got um, the oral induction now there. Yep. 
Um, so, so yeah, so they the, gave. Is it Misoprostol, the oral drug? Uh, I can't remember what it's called, to be honest. Remember, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so cool. they gave, started giving me that at about um, 10 in the morning, and then they were like monitoring me throughout the day and like giving me more doses. I think I probably had about eight doses. Um, and nothing was really happening. Like I was, I'd had Braxton Hicks throughout my pregnancy from about 28 weeks and the contractions that I was having didn't feel too much different from them, to be honest. Um, so yeah, they were kind of like ramping up a little bit in intensity and like getting closer together. Um, but I, I was still like chatting away and like, pretty happy, smiley. So the midwives were like, oh, yeah, she's still ages away. Then um, at about 8 o'clock that night, on Tuesday night, my mum came in to bring my husband some dinner. And so we were just all chatting away, um, like talking. I was like bouncing on a Swiss ball at this point. And at 10.30, my waters broke um, (laughs) and a huge movie-style gush, which I was not not expecting at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, and from there on, it was just like all go. It was just contractions back to back, super intense. I started screaming like straight away and I pride myself on having a pretty high pain tolerance, (laughs) but oh my goodness, nothing could prepare me for that. Um, like straight away, I was like, I need the gas. And then, um, they were like, really already? I was like, yes. And then, like, maybe half an hour to an hour later, I was like, I want an epidural. Like, it was just so intense. Um, And so the midwife um, came in and checked me, and I was already nine centimetres dilated. And so she was like, no, you're not having an epidural. It is far too (laughs) late for that. Um, And, yeah, also I should probably mention there was meconium in my waters. So they Mm -hmm. were monitoring me the entire time as well. but they still thought I was like ages away. Um, I was like, when when she found out that I was nine centimeters dilated, I was like, how long is it going to be? Because I can't, I can't take this for much longer. Like the contractions were literally back to back. I did not have much of a break between them at all, um, and they were so intense. Um, so she was like, she was like, oh, I can't tell you how long it's going to be. Like it's different for everyone. Um, but at that stage, I was already like, I want to start pushing. So they wheeled me into the um, birthing room. I was in an assessment room this whole time. Um, <laughs> and so they birthed me into the like birthing room and then I had to like get up off the bed and walk to the other bed. And that felt like such a huge mission. Mm. Like I just, I felt like I just could not do it. All I wanted to do was just lie on the bed and like scream. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did it. And then um, when I got there, um, they called my midwife and um I started pushing straight away and literally half an hour later my baby was born (laughs) so that was two hours from my waters breaking to my baby being born with half an hour of pushing and it was honestly the most intense two hours of my life (laughs) yeah yeah and how did you like obviously he came out and was he popped straight up on your chest or like what sort of happened immediately from there yeah, so so he was popped onto my chest, but he wasn't breathing. So um, it was like quite a rush to like cut his cord. 
and they like took him away to like sort him out and get him breathing but I was also in shock like I was completely dissociated I had no idea what was going on and so to be honest I was actually glad that they took him away and sorted him out because when they first put him on my chest I didn't even respond because I was just so out of it from the birth um so like they took him away for like 15 minutes which also gave me some time to like kind of regather myself and recoup from what had happened um and um yeah I think they were in quite a rush to like get my placenta Mm -hmm. out as well so I didn't um push it out they like gave me an injection and just pulled it out um and yeah so then they gave me back my baby and then half an hour later my midwife turned up (laughs) so she missed the birth um yeah so it was yeah, quite and... it was quite a shock for all of us, I think. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it was. And did you need any um, stitches or anything like that? Did you have any tearing from your birth? Um, thankfully not, which is quite surprising given it was a very quick delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't need any stitches. I had um, a graze. Um, I think one of the midwives asked the other one, like, for her opinion, like, would you stitch this or not? And they both agreed not. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no stitches. Yeah, awesome, cool. And so when you had him back with you, did you just do some skin-to-skin or did they try and help you to latch him on or what sort of happened from there? Yeah, so we did some skin-to-skin and we tried to do the first latch, um, which wasn't successful. And, like, from the antenatal classes that I'd done, they said, oh, the first latch is so important. And so I was, like, freaking out. I was like, am I not going to be able to breastfeed because of this? Um, But my midwife assured me that, no, like, the first latch doesn't always happen and it doesn't have any say on what your breastfeeding journey is going to be like, whether it does happen or not. so, yeah, it was just a really nice time um, with my husband and I. And my mum ended up actually being there in the end because she was there when my <laughs> waters broke. Yeah. Um, so impromptuly she was there, which was actually really nice because she could yeah. support my husband um, and me as well. Um, and, yeah, it was in the middle of the night. So um, I then, like, had a shower and we, we went back to um, my room and – I don't, honestly don't even know what happened <laughs> from then on. <laughs> probably slept, probably <laughs> tried breastfeeding again. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's all a bit of a blur in those first couple of days, usually. <laughs> and um, yeah, sure. how long did you end up spending in the hospital then before you went home? Um, we stayed in the hospital for um, two more nights. Um, so all up, we were in from Friday, from Monday, sorry, to Friday, and I gave birth on the Wednesday at midnight. So, yeah, I didn't feel rushed or pushed at all to leave. Um, yeah. But also, I felt comfortable staying and then leaving when I did. But they had to monitor um, Arthur afterwards for his blood sugar levels um, because of yeah. my gestational diabetes um and they also had to monitor me with my blood pressure um so yeah yeah and was um there any issue with his blood sugars over that time he had one that one reading that was low so they gave him some sort of like glucose thing um 
and but I had also done like quite a bit of antenatal expressing so Mm -hmm. that came in real handy with helping to like keep his blood sugars up as well um yeah yeah so yeah after after that one low reading he was actually all good yeah awesome cool and how did you find the experience of taking your baby home and yeah what was that first sort of week or so like did you notice um if your milk came in did you notice sort of a hormonal shift or any of the baby blues what 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 was that whole experience like yeah so I think because Arthur was the first baby on both our sides um my family and Cameron's family were both very full-on with wanting to visit (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um we had a lot of support, which was amazing. Like we didn't have to cook a meal for the first week or two yeah. that we were at home, which was absolutely incredible. And we had so much support, but to be honest, I did find it a bit much having so many visitors. Um, yeah. I, I did kind of feel like someone was constantly here, which was quite exhausting, especially when I just wanted to get into our own routine with the baby. Like, like maybe make a nap schedule or something. I don't know, figure out what, what he's actually like when no one is here and like, you know, has some time just bonding with the three of us. Um, yeah. I mean, I, sh- I can't complain too much cause yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I didn't really notice um, any baby blues. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I didn't notice when my milk came in, um, like I didn't get that real rock hard, boob feeling that um I've heard most people experience um but yeah it obviously did because he's gained <laughs> good weight and <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. obviously a now cool and how did you find um your breastfeeding journey sort of started and how's it going now are you still trying to breastfeed or what does that look like for you yes yeah, so we are um exclusively breastfeeding um I yeah, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that we haven't had too many issues. Um, from the first couple of days, I had a little bit of blistering. Um, but, yeah, nothing really major after that. Um, Arthur was born with quite a severe tongue tie, um, which he had snipped at six days. And mm-hmm. after that, he's just been fine. Like, he's got a real good deep latch. And um, I haven't had too much damage to my nipples, which is really amazing um so yeah we're quite lucky we're quite lucky in that front yeah cool and did you pick up on the tongue tie or how did you discover that yeah so because it was quite um severe they actually noticed it straight away from birth um and I've actually got a tongue tie too which I never had um snipped or anything when I was younger but so my midwife saw that in me and so knew to check him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they knew about it straight from birth. And then all the midwives in the hospital noticed it as well. And, like, we saw a lactation consultant in the hospital who also noticed it. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was quite obvious. Yeah. Cool. And what about your physical recovery from birth? So I know you said you didn't need any stitches in the end, but how did you find um, physically recovering from your extremely fast birth process? (laughs) Yeah. um, So I do have a prolapse, which um, I found out actually 50% of women have, but I guess not everyone notices it. But um, yeah, so I, I just, I, I noticed that like, 
it just wasn't feeling right down there, which I knew, mm-hmm. like, I'm still only nine weeks postpartum, you know, yeah. and when I picked it up, I was, it was even earlier than that. So, you know, it's, it's quite early. So I was like, I don't know when things are meant to like recover, mm-hmm. but because I didn't have stitches, like I would have thought that things would have been kind of healed by now. So like when I'm rocking the baby or doing certain stretches or walking for too long or doing certain things like I really notice like it feels quite uncomfortable and like a bit Mm -hmm. of friction down there so I went and had it checked out by my GP and she confirmed that it was a prolapse um and I'm yet to see a woman's health physio um the soonest (laughs) I could get in was July so still a few weeks away from that but um yeah hopefully just seeing a physio and getting my pelvic floor back up to scratch will help with that yeah yeah was that your gp's recommendation as well like what did she suggest doing for it yeah so she she told me to see a woman's health physio she said she could refer me through the public health system if i wanted but that would take months so um Mm. yeah i just decided to go privately um yeah she also told me to try out kegel balls um which I found interesting and my sister is a nurse and so I talked to her about it and she was like really did she tell you to do kegel balls because that Mm. is like just asking for a yeast infection so right (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to use those or not I might just um talk to the physio first and see what she reckons (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it sounds like that's a good call (laughs) um yeah Cool. And I know you said um, in your submission that you're sort of still processing the birth and um, it was obviously really fast. So where are you at with that now? Have you reflected a bit more on your birth experience? Have you talked to anybody about it? Like where, where are you at and how are you feeling now? Yes, yeah, I've actually decided um, to talk to a therapist about it. Um, so I'm going to meet her for the first time next week. Um, yeah. just because I, because I dissociated so much straight after the birth, um, mm. I don't want it to become a trigger point for next time. I, yeah. uh, cause we are planning to have more than one baby. Um, yeah. So I just, I just want to process it and, um, yeah, I guess like understand why I, like dissociated and Mm. stuff so that next time I can feel more prepared to go into it and yeah to be honest I have been feeling quite anxious just about um about the next birth and also about because if if we weren't already in the hospital with the preeclampsia um like if that never got picked up it would have been a very traumatic home birth because it was two Mm. hours from start to finish my mm. midwife would have, uh, like, we would have called her and she, she would have said, oh, yeah, you're probably still ages away. <laughs> Just, like, stay at home for a bit longer, um, you know. And, um, yeah, so it would have been, we wouldn't have noticed that there was meconium in my waters because it was really faint. And, like, when the midwife came in after my waters broke and asked me if there was meconium, I was like, I don't know, probably not. Like, I don't think mm. so. And then she checked it and was like, oh, yeah, there is. So we wouldn't have known that, so we wouldn't have gone into the hospital from there. And then I, it would have just got too intense. We would have either tried to go to the hospital in the car, and I probably would have given birth in the car, or mm-hmm. my, or we would have given birth at home, and like 
I would have been completely out of it. The baby wasn't breathing. It would have just been my husband having to deal with this. So I'm like, I'm kind of freaking out about next time because I've heard that the second birth can be even faster. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just, I know though that because of the diabetes and the preeclampsia, like I'll be a high risk pregnancy from the beginning, which is actually comforting for me because it means I'll be monitored real closely. Um, so, yeah, I'm just hoping that I'll be in hospital before I go into labour again <laughs> next time. Yeah, yeah. And, like, do you think that um, the sort of anxiety or the the way that you're feeling about your birth has impacted, like, your bond with your baby at all or the way that you sort of feel as a mum or do you think it's just, like, quite you're able to keep them quite separate? I think I am able to keep them quite separate. Um, yeah. I... I've also been getting like quite anxious just about random future, like way in the future things like about mm-hmm. um, Arthur's first day at school. I'm like, Oh, I don't want him <laughs> to get bullied. Like I'm real anxious about yeah. that. And then the other day in yeah. the shower, I just was randomly thinking about um, his first school camp. I'm like, that's literally like oh. 10 years away. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what if he yeah. wants me? <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, other than that, like I, it hasn't affected our bond. Um, or yeah, I am I am able to to keep them quite separate. And I do know that these anxieties, like thinking about his first school camp, like I know that it's silly to be anxious about that right now. Um, so so yeah, I guess that in that in that sense, it, it's easier to keep it like a bit separate. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And what about um, your relationship with your husband? So always get lots of questions about how people's relationship changes after a baby and um, what the sort of sharing of the load is like at home. So how does that work for you guys? And what has your, um, what have the changes in your relationship been like since Arthur was born? Yeah. Um, So yeah, my husband is honestly amazing. He is so supportive and he is such a great dad. Um, so yeah, he, he had a month off, um, work thankfully yeah, because, um, we meant to go to Europe last year and we didn't. So now he's got all the <laughs> annual leave that he used. Um, so during that time it was very equally shared, um, except for like at one stage, my back just from holding the baby and like bending over to change him and stuff was, it was just so painful. So he actually did mm. everything except for feed him, which was amazing. Um, yeah. And now that he's back at work, um, he helps a lot on the weekends. Um, and when he gets home from work, I do do all the care like overnight just so he can get some sleep before he has to go to work. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I don't actually think it's really affected our relationship too much because we've we like we're we've been together for like nine years and we're like yeah. really really tight, you know. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. we we were already really tight and we still are. Um, yeah, yeah. And he hasn't he hasn't pressured me at all about getting back into the bedroom, which is good because I'm not feeling ready for that yet. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask yeah. you about that with the prolapse, if you'd noticed like a um, pain or anything that was obvious with that. But yeah, I'm sure that um, at nine weeks you still don't really feel like you're ready for that just yet. No, definitely not. <laughs> I think the prolapse is actually making me more worried, to be honest. Um, yeah. 
like I had when I when when I saw my GP about the prolapse, she did like a whole internal exam, and she was like, "Oh well, I'm <laughs> in here. I might as well do your smear um, since it was due." Yeah. Um, so like she's she's been right in there, and um, to be honest, it actually did feel fine, but oh, sex is just like an it's like next level, you know. Like I'm just. Yeah. I've heard from other people who've had prolapses that it doesn't hurt during sex, but it can hurt afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I'm just going to wait until I see the the physio and yeah, yeah, start off small, like with <laughs> stuff other than sex, and then like work yeah. our way up. I think. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Maxine, and sharing your stories with us. I've really love talking to you and I know that there's going to be lots of little gems in there for the listeners so yeah just super grateful that you were willing to come on the podcast and share your story oh thank you thank you for having me thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales I hope you have enjoyed it and I am already looking forward to bringing you next week's episode so keep an eye out hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.